Hi, B-Sides family. Before we launch into today's episode, we have really big news. We just launched the B-Sides Patreon. We're so excited. We're a little nervous. For $5 a month now, you can be a part of the B-Sides Insider community. This is really big for us. We we really appreciated talking so openly with you all, especially on Instagram, about money and about what it's going to take for us to grow the B-Sides and, and help us achieve our dreams. So that's why we decided to launch this Patreon. So if you want to see the B-Sides continue, if this internet home provides value in your life, it would mean the world to us to join for either $5 a month or $10 a month. Go to patreon.com slash the B-Sides or check out the link in our description. We're so grateful for those of you even considering it. It really means a lot. And now enjoy the final episode in our Glee mini-series. Welcome back to the B-Sides. Hello. 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 Besides, it's a podcast for people who remember where they were the first time they heard a truly incredible music mashup on the radio or television. It's like when the boomers saw the moon landing, mm-hmm. but, but mashups. It's just like that. It's exactly like that. I don't remember where I was the first time I heard a mashup, but this podcast is for anyone who appreciates them and... Here we go. I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. Welcome. Okay, so um, before we get into the episode we're doing today, a couple of housekeeping items. Subscribe if you haven't already, please. We're launching season two of our podcast on October 14th, which means we'll be putting out new episodes every two weeks starting then. And subscribing makes it way easier to keep up with us. And another exciting thing is we dropped some merch. It's Ooh. exciting. If you like merch, mugs merch, and stickers merch. and tote bags and a tank top that I made on a whim, um, <laughs> check it we out. A whim tank. Yeah, whipped. a muscle tee, if you will. Um, we've got three collections up there with our favorite pop singer, pop stars and some underrated ones, as well as our favorite Taylor Swift songs. And it's for a limited time. So check it out might even be gone by now. I'm sorry. I hope you ordered something, but don't worry. There's more to come. So check us out. It check, check that out. Check us all out. Check everything out. It's in the description of this as well as on our Instagram page. Thank you for your support. It really means a lot. It keeps us going uh, so we can keep doing this. The pictures of you all with your merch are lit, like, make me feel feelings. I love it so much. So keep it coming. Keep ordering, but most important, keep posting pictures of your orders because it makes me so happy to see someone like drinking their morning coffee out of a mug with like Lizzo and Dua. It's just the best. It's really great. It's really great. So hurry. Everything is fleeting. Something like that. Okay. So today we're going to wrap up our Glee mini series. If you couldn't tell from the title. Already. What a whirlwind this miniseries has been. It's been really crazy. This time we're in season three and 
you know, some of you might object to us not going further, but you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna stop here for now in the high school years. And as far as we're concerned, it's over. It's just over. Kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> it's never over. Just because it's over doesn't mean it's really over, etc. Um, but anyway. So today we're going to be talking about season three, but more specifically season three, episode six, mm-hmm. Nash Off, which we just watched. Why this episode? I mean, Glee and and the 2010s more broadly um, and the, the late aughts, you know, mashups became such a big trend in pop music around the time we were all in high school, college and um, I, I think it has a lot to do with like MP3s and internet availability and editing becoming more of a thing, like a DIY pop music trend. We had the Super Mash Bros, who I saw in college, was whatever. DJ Earworm, DJ Earworm 2009 is like the best. The best. It's the best. Pop, dance, that. rock and roll. Give me that. Mm-mm. Yes. <laughs> yes, Becky. That, That's just one of those songs that like, I thought I loved in secret and over the last 11 years have realized, oh, everybody loves the 2009 DJ earworm yeah. mashup. It's like it, it's not just me. <laughs> what, Hannah? Oh, it was just, no one talks about it until, until recently. People were not talking about it. You know, there wasn't no. a community of 2009 DJ earworm mashup. Heads. I think you're wrong. I think um, some of my friends and I, some of who may be listening to this, we we were a community. We were a small community, but I, you know, I think there were quite Got a it. few. Um, Hannah was just excluded from that community. <laughs> no one notified her. No. But anyway, Glee really embraced the mashups of it all. I think in I think probably in every season, especially the first few. Um, and you know, we are a pop music podcast, so we thought it would be good to celebrate one of those trends in an episode there's also a lot of other stuff going on in this episode um but they are competing in a mash-off and you know to me again like I'm gonna people are gonna say some fighting words to me but I still feel like this is the era of glee at its best there are a lot of like other interesting threads to pull out here the theme of this episode is like conflict which is the theme of every episode uh but whatever Conflicting songs, conflicting identities, conflicting ideologies. I I'm biased because to me, like this is one of this is one of my favorite mashups ever, and one of the most iconic Glee scenes, and perhaps in music television more broadly. I think a lot of people know this episode, and there are some political touchstones, you know, some Tea Party influence again, some smear campaigns that are just like all too real. We know them all too well at this point, so. That's where I'm at. Any other opening thoughts before we get into it? Uh, I haven't watched Glee in a really long time, so this was my reminder. And I forgot so many plot lines. And then when watching this episode, it all came shooting back to me. And I cannot wait to discuss. There are many layers to this episode. Let's do it. Okay, so here's what you missed on Glee. You didn't miss a ton if you listened to the last episode we did. We've done two previous episodes. The last one was only like seven or eight episodes ago. So what you need to know is that this is the last fully in high school season. Some of the characters are seniors and they graduate and things get more complicated. So it's like the end of an era within an era. But, you know, we've got Puck and Quinn want their baby back for some reason. 
and Shelby, aka Adina Menzel, aka Rachel's mom, biological mom, who adopted Quinn's baby in season one, is now a substitute at the school. Uh, it's really crazy. The New Directions lost at nationals because they did some like weird original song shit, which is whatever. Um, and Blaine, Kurt's boyfriend, transferred school to be with him full time. So he's now no longer at Dalton. He's at McKinley High. Rachel and Finn are back together. Thank God. You know, like we got to get these these crazy kids back together. Will and Emma are together. Inevitable. Bert is running against Sue for Congress, which I had completely forgotten about, but I love that it's here and I love that we get to talk about it. Um, and there's there's more political threads to play as well. Brittany and Kurt and Rachel are all running for student class president. And Mercedes and Santana and Brittany have all joined the Trouble Tones, which I love. They join, they leave the new directions because they're tired again of Rachel always getting solos and they want to shine during their senior years. So Shelby the sub becomes the director of the trouble tones and that's most of it. Santana and Brittany have decided since we left off to officially date. It's still, they're still keeping it quiet. It's still private information, but they are official and they have also rejoined the Cheerios and thank goodness for that. We love the Cheerios. You missed a lot on Glee. I will say you, you were like, there's not so much that you've missed between last episode and this, but the whole like Adina Menzel is Rachel's mom. And also the the mom of 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 the baby be- it's a lot there is a lot oh it's my goodness a, it's such a tangle web that they it's weaved such... with that particular storyline yeah. yeah that Leah Michelle wakes up every morning and hopes that Edith Menzel actually is her mom though I know yeah so true good so casting why don't we dive into how this episode begins um very early on in the episode we see a congressional ad for Sue Sylvester which, yes, did not remember this plot line at all, but um, I found it really interesting and fun. Um, and it's it's ju- it's a negative ad. It's bashing Bert Hummel, her, her competition. And the logic of the ad is that because Bert got a heart transplant, transplant last year, he might now have a baboon heart. Like, you know, you can't, he can't prove that he doesn't have a baboon heart. And she's like, Congress is bad enough. If Bert thinks that what Washington needs is more baboon hearts, then he needs a brain transplant. Bert Hummel and his baboon heart, wrong on the issues, wrong for Ohio. I'm Sue Sylvester. I have a human heart and I approve this message. <laughs> and there's like a lot of close up black and white fade effects. There's American flags and green screens and up tempo ambient jazz involved. And it's just like very. Yeah, it's a classic negative ad, I would say. It looks like she made it on Jib Jab. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. I also totally. think that every campaign ad should end with, I have a human heart. Yeah. And I approve this message. And I approve this message. Good to clarify. You don't know. And then when, when the ad pauses, Will is there and he's very, he's seeing the ad and he's very mad, which is how I uh, learned that he is Bert's campaign manager excuse me no Bert you got listen I know that there's slim pickings I'm sure and you want to work with people that you trust but it's just important for Will Schuster not to be your campaign manager I just have to say so upsetting um but Emma's there and she and so Will is like I want to fight back and Emma's like winning by fighting dirty isn't really winning and it's all very when they go low we go high Michelle Obama 
2016. And I would say that's actually like the thesis of the political line throughout the rest of this episode. And I think it's patently false. And I think it's a ridiculous, whatever. I'm not saying that, whatever. I'll keep, I'll keep my rant to myself. I think that's a stupid political strategy. No, it's just very like the arc of the moral universe bends towards justice, which is a beautiful quote and a nice idea. And everything but the 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 civility strategy Mm -hmm. sucks so yeah and sometimes you want to play dirty and it works yeah or even just I think that people think that you know being negative you know for example like you know Biden's whole thing right now about fighting for the soul of this nation is just like not what working people care about it's just not no one's like you know what I care about not the fact that I can't get health care but, you know, the soul of the nation, that's what I'm really interested in at this point in my life. Yeah. These vagaries that I'll say it, a lot of historians are throwing around too. Mm. And I love to throw those around sometimes, but right now I'm like, shut up, like actually explain what you're going to do or actually explain yeah. why four more years of this is bad in tangible yeah. terms that people understand. That is yeah. not saying something real like that in a way that will actually improve people's lives is not a negative, even if you have to say no. something negative to do it. Yeah. It's why Trump's message works so well because he's yeah. literally like, you're unemployed jobs, but there's no plan, but he's like, I'll give you jobs, even though there right. is no like between unemployed person. And you're like jobs. Okay. Mm-hmm. It honestly, all these platitudes also just make me think of Pete Buttigieg and like oh. literally all he would ever do would speak in platitudes yeah. like this. And I'd be like, what does this mean? You literally like with yeah. You're saying nothing. You're saying nothing. nothing. And that nothing. means everything. And that means everything. Well, go on. we should go right, of course. So then what happens is Kurt confronts Sue. I thought this was really great of Kurt to do. Very bold of him to go into her office and say that that ad about the baboon heart was horrible. At this point in Glee, Sue was calling him porcelain all the time, just which is great. Um I like and it. Right. And Kurt's like 20% of all voters actually think that my dad has a baboon heart and she's not playing fair. Sue responds that politics is about playing dirty and that Brittany is doing the same with her campaign for student president, which involves empty promises of root beer, water fountains and robot teachers. Again, I will never I don't really mean this because I hold Brittany in very high regard. This is a little bit of a Trumpian way of, of, of campaigning. So Brittany also says, this is funny. Brittany says that Rachel Berry's still on MySpace and thus unfit to lead, <laughs> which I appreciate because we've actually given Glee shit for in, in season one, elevating MySpace as if it's like a real thing that people at this time, that youth on this time were on. And I appreciate that they've learned since then. And yeah, they've learned this- that they were, they've learned that they were like four years behind the curve, maybe. <laughs> and they've quickly caught up. They were like, oh, no. And so Sue says it doesn't matter whether she or Brittany is lying for their respective campaigns. What matters is they've got people's attention, which uh, politically is devastating and unfortunately true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, like the season two episode, it's like Ryan Murphy, like, did he know about Trump's inevitable run four years later or what was going on? And blaming him for a lot. Yeah, I think it's fair. Thanks, Ryan Murphy. So now we cut to Mr. Shu and Shelby in the teacher's lounge. And he says around this time of year, they usually do mashups. Everyone would be happy, but instead everyone is conflicted and moody and upset about things. So 
they come up with a little plan. They decide to ambush both Lee clubs with a mash off, something in a mashup, competing in a mashup because two conflicting things can bring together something unexpected. True, I guess. Well, either way, we got the, one of the best Lee's songs out there from it. So, Mr. Shu, I thank you. They call both Glee clubs to the auditorium where Santana and Finn start to argue. She calls him soft serve and says, you're not singing with this busted. We're not singing with this busted choir. I like this, like making fun of Finn for being chubby yeah. argument. It's funny. Um, he should be knocked down a few pegs, I think. So it's, yeah, it's fitting. Um, I'm not here to fat shame normally, but for Finn, sometimes I'm like, all right, you can deal with it. But then Mr. Shu and Shelby roll up to sing You and I, You and I by Lady Gaga and Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale together, which, you know, they're supposed to be enemies, but it's good because it shows that something unexpected and good can happen. As everyone watches them perform, Brittany says, is this what having a stroke feels like? Because I like it. (laughs) Brittany has such good one-liners. Yeah. Um, they then explain that it'll be fun and cool to compete in a mash-off. New Directions versus Trouble Tones. And everyone is like, fuck yeah, let's bring it together. I'm amped. These busted choirs are going to mash off. Um, okay, I have to get something else out of the way really quick, which is like a B slash C plot that is important to some people, but really just not to us. And so we're just going to get it out of the way and then we're going to go back to the rest of our regularly scheduled mash-off programming. Okay, so this plot line has to do with Puck and Shelby and Quinn. And it's just kind of weird, basically, like, Puck, who is now 18, although he looks and is, like, 30-plus, keeps reminding us that he's 18. He is really, he has a big crush on Shelby. He's really into her. He's really into Adina Menzel. It's really weird. It's really inappropriate. Um, it feels very like boys will be boys court. Like it's fine because he's the younger one. And it's just it's like icky, especially knowing just what we know about Mark Salling. And it's just gross. So he sings Hot for Teacher by Van Halen. I do love like the 80s situation going on here. He sings with Finn and Blaine and Mike. And more miscellaneous guitar boy is another theme of this episode, um, which was a theme in the last episode that we watched. And uh, it's fine. I mean, you actually realize like how few of the girls are still in this glee club now that Mercedes and Santana and Brittany have left. It's like, it's really like whittled down. Anyway, Mr. Shu's reaction to this is insane. He's like, ha ha, wow, spectacular. He loves it. He loves it. (laughs) Creep me out so much the how into it he was he he I he like flew off the handle like I was just like this is insane and then Rachel voice of reason for once you know we usually get Santana or Sue or someone else like bringing everyone down to earth this time it's Rachel being like this is inappropriate whatever no one cares um we care though Rachel we care and we're with you on this so Puck brings Shelby this like tiny pumpkin for her desk and says the cafeteria was out of apples. Okay, sure. Tis the season. He tells her that he wants to be with her. He wants to be a father to his kid. He convinces her to let him come over to help build a crib, even though she's conflicted about this. Again, theme of the episode. But she agrees. And then Quinn later tells him that like she still wants to get their baby back. She wants to 
find a way to frame Shelby as a bad parent with child protective services. Uh, but Puck doesn't want to do that anymore. He wants to be with Shelby and his kid and kind of like write Quinn out of the picture. So Quinn tries to, you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer sort of situation and join the trouble tones. And Shelby's like, mm, I don't know about that. She tries to drop by. Shelby rejects all of this and, you know, tells Quinn that she doesn't know what it's like to be a mother just because she gave birth to Beth, Shelby's daughter. She's just one biologically and she doesn't want Quinn to see her baby anymore. And this isn't really related to anything else that's going on, but it is a part of the episode. So we felt the need to share it. And now we're going to get back to this, the real, the real stuff, I think, unless anyone has something to say about this. Nope. I like to forget about it. So let's go on. Take I us away, Hannah. That with, with Glee, it can be like, okay, let's get away from questions of maternity and into the real stuff, a mash-off. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, let's, let's go back to mash-off. So at this point um, in the episode, now that we're going a little more chronologically, the new directions are huddling up. They're going to figure out what they want to do. For the mash-off. Mr. Shu is asking his kids for artist suggestions for the mash-off. And the suggestions are wild. All at once, people are saying, The Clash, The Police, The Spice Girls, R.E.M., The Jonas Brothers. I was like, "Has they have they ever done a Jonas Brothers? No. Bummer. Missed opportunity. SOS would have been great. But then Finn is like, you guys, none of that will work. The only thing they all have in common is that they all broke up. And the new directions need to feel united. And Mr. Shu is like, Oh my goodness, a point of view. Yes. Thanks again for doing my job. I see now that it's not just about the music, but where it comes from. Right. That's what he says. And Finn is like, you know who's the epitome of staying together? Holland Oats. I'm like, okay, I didn't actually really think about that, but you know, Holland Oats are great. So they do a Holland Oats mashup. That's their plan because they were they were together for the long haul. So, but don't forget that Finn and Santana still hate each other for whatever reason. Um, and he's tired of her talking trash at him. So Finn's sweet, sweet Finn attempts to insult her. That Irish guy, Roy, who was in a few episodes, tries to insult her too by saying, you're skinny like all those crops failed on your family's farm. Burn. And she's essentially like, it's not really that funny, but thank you. And she makes it clear that she is from Lima Heights and her abuela put her to sleep at night with insults. So she's got thick skin and nothing can hurt her word wise, but you know, what can hurt her a game of dodgeball, dirty dodgeball. Yes. I feel like I did not see this coming. I just want to say to you, like, and I've said this before about Naya that I just thought her delivery was so good. And a lot of these scenes, like, I just think she was so funny, even if some of the things that she says at other points are problematic that the writers wrote. She has some of my favorite lines, which is like when she's talking about how she's immune to insults. She's like, it's only when I got to kindergarten that I learned my name wasn't garbage face. And it's like kind of a brag. She's like, right. This is how tough I am. It is so, right. It's problematic that the writers were like, let's let's explain that the reason why she's tough is because she is like comes from an immigrant background and lives yeah. in, you know, this Lima Heights, right? This like fake neighborhood that the writers came up. It's a little bit ridiculous. And Naya del- delivers every line so perfectly that you just kind of roll through it. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, they wrote it in a way, again, bad at dealing with race. Um, but her delivery is 
is so great. So I also have to say that I was a huge fan of the Glee Project where I don't remember his name. I used to know his name very well. I think it's something with a D, Duncan maybe. I don't remember. Um, I'll, I can do, I'll look it up in a moment, but the, the Irish boy, Roy, I loved him on that show. And I remember thinking there's no way he's going to win. Cause he can't really carry, he doesn't have like a super charismatic presence, but he, he got in the show, which, which was great. He didn't make a huge splash, but he's a sweet guy. Yeah. I didn't even, so the Glee project wasn't really, I feel like I saw commercials for it, but it wasn't really on my radar, perhaps something to revisit someday. Um, but I, so I remember not knowing why he was on the show, but being like, he has a beautiful voice and yeah, he's not doing much, but he's on the show and he has, he gets to sing a few solos and that's great. Anyway, we're going to get to dodgeball in a minute, which I cannot wait for. Um, but I will wait a moment because we have to talk about Rachel and Shelby, her biological mother. So Rachel approaches her in the auditorium for a college recommendation because it's senior year, baby, and it's time to get those recs. So you get to go to the college of your choice. She wants to go to this um, performing arts school in New York, Niata. And Shelby has coached national nationals winning show choirs, which is a resume booster. Mr. Shu does not hold that title yet, although spoiler alert, he will. So, um, you know, Shelby agrees and Rachel says, like, I've actually already written the letter and all you have to do is sign it. And then Shelby's like, Rachel, I'm so proud of you. And, you know, the subtext of this is like, is she proud because Leah Michelle wrote something which implies that she can now read via the Leah Michelle can't read um, conspiracy theory, which, you know, all agree without question. Which we've talked about before. Um, it was new to me back then, but it just is, you know, one of the best things on the internet and we subscribe to it. And then she, you know, they're having this conversation and then she takes the letter back and asks Shelby to just write her own more specific letter. And I'm like, maybe Lee Michelle can't read or write. I don't know. It's hard to say. But um, but yeah, so, that you know, they just have this moment where they connect over Rachel's accomplishments and the idea that she will have a Broadway debut and Shelby will be there and it will be great. So it's important when you have like a really emotional scene to then cut to an action-packed mash-off sequence because then we get to the dodgeball scene. New directions versus trouble tones. Santana says to Finn, oh, it's on Pillsbury Dough Turd. <laughs> and they sing. I I had forgotten about this mashup, but I, I thought it was really fun. It's Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar and One Way or Another by Blondie, which, of course, one of the best covers of One Way or Another is One Direction. Not New Directions, One Direction, probably mm-hmm. sometime around this era, actually. It's fun. It's a lot of fun, like jock choreography, a lot of close-ups of people getting hit in the face. We get Rachel getting hit in the face, Kurt, I think Quinn, Mike. And oh, I should say, I, I the guy who played Roy is named Damian McGinty. Just if anybody okay. was listening and was like screaming at the podcast because we didn't know his name and I said Duncan, I just want to make sure that you know. His name is Damian. Nice guy. Um, they're all getting hit in the face with dodgeballs. It's iconic slow-mo, like Britney Santana Mercedes walking with dodgeballs in hand. Very cinematic. Um, really a, just a fun scene. Santana and Finn are the last two standing. She takes him out and the trouble tones win. Um, we do love to see it, but winning basically gives Santana leverage to keep being mean. And like after she wins, she kind of like throws the dodgeball at Roy, who's like already down. 
and he starts bleeding. And that's when suddenly they're all like, this is horrible. Dodgeball is mean. Even though like they were having fun. I don't know. I guess, you know, it's, it's fun until someone gets hurt is, is a, is a phrase for a reason. Yeah. Um, I love dodgeball and I feel like it's been banned in a lot of places. Um, at least temporarily because it is mean. I thought it was so much fun when I was a kid. It is scary. Um, but I think it's fun. I thought this scene was really fun. They all seemed like they were having a lot of fun. I love that the trouble tones win. And I, when I was looking for like an image for this episode to post, um, I was on the whatever Glee like wiki page and I saw that there were a couple of, I know a little Glee lore about this episode now because I saw a couple of behind the scenes like videos that they had on there. One of which is like them asking, like filming this and and asking Naya if she was like concerned about getting hurt or other people getting hurt during this. And she was like, well, Santana's scripted as a quote unquote animal in this scene. So I'm not really like concerned about myself, but I am concerned <laughs> about everyone else. Um, oh my gosh, which is great. I mean, that's exactly how she played it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's some bullying involved here and we don't love it, but I, I do like dodgeball. I do think we need a break after dodgeball. So we're going to take a momentary break. And then when we come back, a new leader will emerge in the trouble tones and we can't wait. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Wow, that was a much-needed break from dodgeball. As someone who doesn't like sports and sports games, um, I'm glad that we could have taken a break from that. Back to the heart of the show, singing. Mercedes suggests that they sing Adele at the mash-off because she is incredible, and she's correct, and everyone agrees. She tells Santana to stop bullying Finn, again, because she's the voice of reason, nominates herself as president of the Trouble Tones, and is elected through a spontaneous vote that Shelby encourages, says they should focus on getting on better, not meaner, which is good advice. And perhaps that the people running for Congress should also probably take that advice. Santana says, I just don't have time for this kind of thinking, but eventually agrees after Mercedes tells her to make time to think about that because she's a member of the group and should care. Yeah. So I think um, what helps is like Brittany makes this very sweet comment to her and they, they share like sweet eyes at each other. And Santana's like, okay, okay. And it's like really sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, stop the violence, which is something she's said before to her. Um, So that's sweet. Yeah, just kind of melts. I think this is, you know, I think it's weird that like uh, Shelby is just like, yes, we will have an election right now. I go along with this. But I do think that was good leadership on Mercedes part to be like, you need to stop because you're a star member of this group not just because I want you to, and I'm on a power trip. Like that's Mercedes is a very reasonable, reasonable person and, and very talented. And she, yeah, I think it's great. Um, unfortunately it doesn't last long because Santana immediately defaults to eviscerating Finn in the hallway, um, which we're mostly okay with. I think 
I think what I'm, I'm obviously not okay with bullying and I'm not okay with like some of the things that get said in the show, but I think just the fact that, you know, and, and, um, fat phobia and shaming is absolutely never okay. It's, it's funny here because like in this world of, you know, white supremacist patriarchy, it's like she, Santana has three strikes against her as a queer woman of color and he has none of that. And so I didn't mind at all when she just like would eviscerate him. I thought it was funny and I still do. And again, like the delivery, you know, I, I like it. She, she like gets into these monologues of these creative insults a lot, which are great. Um, and she tells him she goes on a, she goes on a tear here when she is like saying she's about to apologize. And then she tells him to be careful of Rachel come holiday time, because if I were her, I'd stick a stent in one of those boobs and let the thin blubber light the Hanukkah lamp for eight magical nights. I thought that was hilarious as three, as three, you can't really, you can't really do better than that. So she starts to walk away. And he just stops her in her tracks by saying loudly, so plenty of people can hear in the hallway, hey, Santana, why don't you just come out of the closet? Which crosses more of a line, I think. Um, And he just says, like, she's too afraid. He's He's not making fun of her for being gay, but he is exploiting the fact that it's something that she's uncomfortable with. And he is saying, like, you know, she's too afraid to admit it. Um, and to admit that she's in love with Brittany to everyone because she might not love her back or something, which is a little cruel. Um, and he calls her a coward. And then he's like, see you at the mash off. And it's like, damn, okay, we will see you at the mash off. Um, and her face. That's the end of that. Yeah. She's devastated. Mm-hmm. She's devastated. Yeah. That's like a really wild scene. And then we get to mash off part one. So the New Directions do their mash-off performance. As the mash-off begins, Finn and Santana play rock, paper, scissors for who gets to go first. Finn wins, and Rachel scream reacts like a Muppet. She does. She's so excited. I'm like, it's actually, I don't know. Why I always going, think it's better to go last. Yeah, why does going first <laughs> mean something so good? Whatever. Doesn't matter. Fake drama. Um, so New Directions sing a Hollow Notes mashup as they decided earlier. I can't go for that slash you make my dreams come true. It's fine. I know the song you make my dreams come true. I would say actually very well. And I don't know. I can't go for that almost at all. But I heard almost none of I can't go for that except for the phrase. I can't go for that yeah. over and over again. It was not like a I think a good mashup is when you take like the heart and soul of multiple songs and you really make them like work together. And this did not feel like that. This felt a little lazy. Um, it was very eighties cheese, fake mustaches, which were cute. Um, you know, blazers, bright pink, blue color palette, um, sort of like voguing in choreography. The girls are wearing foofy dresses. Um, most importantly, Darren Chris looks adorable. Um, we have not got, he didn't get a lot to do in this episode. Notably, Earlier in this episode, Finn is like, and I have a great idea. Let's make Roy the star of this, of our mashup. And Roy got like one line. Like they even like tried to make him a star of one number and they failed. I thought that was weird. That was pretty confusing. Yeah. He didn't get that. That and the fact that, um, 
You know, I think if I think if like half of your glee club is gonna quit because Rachel yeah. keeps getting all the solos, probably the very least you can do is actually like give her those solos if um, she did not. that's the reason right. to quit but she didn't get anything and and yeah Roy gets one line and it's supposed to be like a big moment but not really it's mostly the yeah Finn, the Finn show I do want to talk about Darren Chris real quick just because you mm-hmm. know this is our last Glee mini episode and I don't want to get far without talking about how much I love Darren Chris which is a lot because I was um the the, the Harry Potter musical that he and his friends did at Michigan I was obsessed with so I like knew him from that and he was just like a sweet little internet star. And then he was on Glee. And it was so exciting. That's a great musical. Yeah. He's watch. got he's got a I've seen like part of it, but I didn't know about it till he was on Glee. And then it was like, who is this? Um, I, I think he kind of yeah, he was brought in to be like a very strong male vocalist, you know, like which he really is. Um, probably the best on the show. And he's great. Okay, well, back to a mashup that's not a singing mashup but a spoken mashup. We are at the race for the senior class president time in the gym. As we know, Brittany is running and her platform is tornadoes are nature's most destructive force. These violent storms have ravaged America, crippling communities across our lands. Isn't it time we take a stand? I'll make tornadoes legal at McKinley. This made me think so much of Donald Trump. It was like almost terrifying in that, yes, tornadoes are bad, but you cannot make them illegal, but people would actually believe that you would and would vote for you for that reason because you don't like them because they're destructive. Um, Yeah. And all of the, and just to say like all of the, it's also Donald Trump in a way where it's like people who would be like, what are like all the Cheerios are like vibing with this. All of the Cheerios are like, yes, true. Just because it's Britney, you know? Yeah. Uh, Then we have poor Kurt. But so Kurt's platform is basically that obesity is bad and the school should have a salad bar. And it's that's good. The school should have a salad bar. It's also revealed here at Britney's claimed that Britney claimed Kurt's face was used as a template for the My Little Ponies line. <laughs> um, anyway, he shifts to an anti-bullying campaign and calls dodgeball a modern day stoning, which honestly, true. I didn't see the lie in this. Um I don't like dodgeball. And I, if I were at McKinley High, Kurt would have gotten my vote for simply getting rid of dodgeball. Um, he doesn't have any real plans to stop bullying beyond banning dodgeball. But, hey, that's a start. And you know what? He's not overpromising like Brittany. But, like, that's like a real option. And then Rachel, who for some reason feels moved by this. I, You know, sometimes I think she feels like super guilty and like will act on it in weird ways. But in this, I thought was actually productive she gets up there as a crusade for school book covers, but she decides that everyone should vote for Kurt because he's the only one who never ran a negative campaign. And she also low-key wants him to have this on his resume for college apps because she wants them to go to school tomorrow. And she doesn't need to be class president because she started a school musical. And I thought that this was actually very touching of Rachel and like a very kind moment. We don't see that. We see them, but I thought this was like a pretty genuine uh, moment. Although selfish because she also wants him to be in New York so they can like have their life together. And I don't know if Kurt necessarily wants that, but I thought it was cute. Yeah. And um, he says at some point in this episode, like, because because she's trying to take all the accolades for herself earlier on this is her moment of reckoning a little bit but he's like he's like you know 
we're going to fight because of your borderline sociopathic climb to the top. Like he says something like that, you know, which is art imitating life. Okay. So we're back uh, in the hallway again, Brittany and Santana. Santana is like still, you know, she, she said that she would stop insulting Finn. She hasn't done it. Brittany is like, you should really stop making fun of him. You're being too harsh. And she's just like, you know, Santana replies that manatees have really thick skin, just like deadpan. Um, But then that ends quickly because Sue calls Santana into her office, uh, which is weird because she sees Mr. Shu and Bert Hummel, Kurt's dad, waiting in there. And this is like a combination of people that is perplexing, you know, Sue, Mr. Shu, Bert and Santana. Um, So it's weird. And then they vaguely tell her that they are going to support her however they can. Um, Sue apologizes for setting a bad example or tone of the congressional campaign that they're running. Um, And Santana's like, what's going on? And they show her Reggie the Sauce Salazar's campaign ad. Uh, Don't know who this guy is really, but essentially he's also running and he has a niece at McKinley and that niece heard overheard Finn and Santana talking a few days ago specifically about her coming out. So this ad is really crazy. Like one of the earlier ones we've watched, there's a gavel slamming down onto an animated pepperoni pizza. There's an image of a Cheerios pyramid with Santana at the top circled in red and a voiceover that says, if you have family values, why did you promote a lesbian student to be your head cheerleader? And why don't you have a husband, Sue? Sue Sylvester? So many questions. So this guy, you know, this is an anti-Sue campaign and an anti-gay campaign, and it's pretty terrible. And I think it's probably illegal to have, to to pick on a teenager for their sexuality in a Definitely. campaign. Definitely would never have gotten aired. Yeah. So... That is strange. I think that Santana would have a leg to stand on if she were to sue for this. Slander. It's slander. Yeah. And it's slander of a minor too. So I'm sure it's like, yeah. Yeah. So it's really, you know, it starts off, I think some of these ads are kind of funny and how they're, they're funny in the time of how like absurd they are, but in retrospect, seeing all of the absurd things that we see on the internet now um, that have very real consequences, it's really not that funny at all and it's not funny to Santana or anyone else really she starts crying because she hasn't she says she hasn't even told her parents that she's gay yet um and she can't believe this is happening and she runs out of the room I think that's something that Glee does usually pretty well is a lot of their serious is is balancing like serious moments with lighthearted ways of being serious and there's not a lot of moments in the show that are just straight up very serious and sad. Like usually they balance that out pretty quickly, but it means that when they do have a moment that is like only sad or only dramatic or just only very loaded, like this one was, they, off- I-, I thought they did it really well. Like I legitimately started tearing up and was like, oh my goodness. And then we cut to the Trouble Tones mash off performance right from there. Absolutely. 
So now we get to what we have been referring to in the promotion of this episode and in uh, the recording of this episode up until now, which is the Trouble Tones iconic mashup performance of Rumor Has It slash Someone Like You by Adele. So (laughs) our faces just lit up. Um, This is one of the ones that I come back to on a very regular basis on YouTube. Um, What I had forgotten over my years of of going, I, I never understood why there were these random women in the background of this song. And on this episode, I was like, oh, right. The trouble tones. Like I had fully forgotten. I know. Yeah. I was like, who are these women who were like amazing singers and dancers? It's because of the trouble tones who never get a spot in Glee once the trouble tones are over, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. What's notable about this song is that the full studio version of this cleaned up on iTunes and the Hot 100 at the time, and the scene itself is just iconic. The dresses, the choreography, oh my goodness. The choreography is stunning. So good. So good. And just the soul of it all, like really nailing two songs that were already extremely popular at the time, but, you know, were popular because they are amazing and they have really different vibes when you listen to them separately, but together they come off really beautifully. And it's just a really, like you watch Santana and Brittany make a fleeting moment of eye, of eye contact that is just so beautiful. Mercedes has, her moments are beautiful. Santana's moments are beautiful. It's just a really great song. Yeah, it's really it's it's incredible. I mean, it's interesting because the first um the first mashup we have here are songs that the you and I you and I mashup mm-hmm. are songs that are like 30 years apart in age. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of them are more recent and this is the most contemporary of them all. And it's Adele, so it's a lot of pressure, I think, to like do an Adele song. Um and it really is it really is just incredible and I think I think this is Glee at its best, like Mm -hmm. doing something, having an episode that is very funny in a lot of ways and very serious in a lot of ways and balancing that. Um, I think it's really a testament to, yeah, all of the actors who played the Trouble Tones and especially Amber Riley and Naya Rivera. Um, Just like the, the acting, like being able to act confident and poised, but also like confused at the same time and and just like very troubled all at once like that was that was just incredible and I have a lot of um appreciation for that in retrospect that's incredible acting and singing and dancing and all of it it was just it's a really beautiful and heartbreaking scene it's really bittersweet yeah and I think something that's so great about Santana and Naya's acting is that she's so strong but you like you see her be so strong, but she's also so like broken and it makes her like to be such a relatable character unlike Rachel Berry's character who isn't so well-rounded or just is annoying. But with like Santana's, you like really feel for her and like feel her struggling, but yet trying to, trying to like act like she has it all together. And it's a very relatable character I fully was crying by the end of this song. Like really, it was, I was so moved by it, which I didn't think was going to happen because I watched this song all the time. But in, in context of the episode, you know, where you watch exactly what you were just saying in, in terms of like, this has been an episode where we got to see Naya being incredibly strong, dodgeball in her hand, like hilarious blubber jokes, strong. And then this turn just, you know, shows why we, why Santana is such an incredible character and why Naya is such a force. 
And as the song ends, Santana is looking at Finn in the audience who's whispering something to Rachel. And right as it ends, she jumps off the stage and accuses him of, uh, he's like, you know, she says, what are you talking, what are you telling her about? And uh, what are you talking to her about? And Santana says that, you know, you're telling Rachel about her sexuality and that everyone's going to know now. And Finn says, I was actually just saying how great you were. And Rachel's like, yeah, he was. And she, she doesn't believe it. She's really upset. And Finn is like, the whole school already knows and no one cares. And Santana is saying, uh, not, not just the school, you idiot, everyone, and slaps him across the face. Everyone's jaws are on the floor. And that's the end of the episode. I couldn't believe it when it was like executive producer. I was like, oh my, that's how we're ending this. That's the end. But that's lights out. That's episode six. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I forgot that that was the ending. That's it. Um, it's really crazy. And, um, you know, things are gonna, things are gonna work out for Santana. Things are gonna work out for a lot of these characters. Um, but it is such a tense moment to end on, you know, just these two characters and these actors who we love just this like back and forth between them. The whole episode is is really bittersweet to see. And the other um, behind the scenes thing that I saw, the other like Glee lore fun fact is that, um, which is maybe illegal, I'm not sure, but the the producers and directors um, instructed Naya to really slap Corey and also not to tell him that she was going to do that. I think everyone else knew that she was going to really slap him, but they wanted it to be a surprise to him. So it was realistic. Um, and, you know, when they shoot things, they have to shoot it both ways. So they have to shoot, like, her, and then they have to shoot him. So when they shot her, she, like, really slapped him, and he was shocked. And then and she was like, I'm so sorry <laughs> they told me to do it. And he was like, no, like, do it again. Like, really slap me again when we shoot it the other way. Um, and I thought that was – I thought that was just sweet because my understanding is that they – you know, they're kind of like forever connected now and they, they did seem to have a really sweet friendship. And I just think that's kind of like a sweet, you know, slapping people isn't funny, but it's like a sweet moment where they had to do some serious acting. And, you know, it's like a testament to their friendship that they were both like, LOL, I'm really going to have to slap you. <laughs> I don't know. It's iconic. That's an amazing story. That's unbelievable. All right. I mean, that's the end of this episode. We got a lot of we got a lot of politics in there. We got some dodgeball. We got some amazing mashups. So it was great. Um, you know, I think let's do our our superlatives that we have been doing all along here. And uh then we'll wrap this thing up. I still have to think about who is my best and worst behaved character in this episode. I don't think you have to think for a long time about the worst. You just have to remember the plot line that we immediately skated through early on. Well, I also think Susan Lester <laughs> is one of the worst. Uh, she is. That's <laughs> true. She's bad. In this, in this too. She has a moment of humanity, but she's pretty bad. Yeah. She has these moments where she's like very serious. And it's like, it's, but it's only after, after she's like created this fuckery for like episodes yeah. on episodes. Um uh yeah she's pretty bad I think Puck yeah Puck not feeling it Shelby not feeling it um and Quinn is badly behaved too for Quinn, you know yeah. act actively trying to get child protective services to take their to take her kid away from Shelby 
Yeah, I just I just think everyone in that whole story arc is just is bad. You know, Quinn was so well behaved the last time we talked compared to now, and now she's just kind of on one. Um, and uh, so yeah, but how about how about the best? I don't even know who's the best behaved. I actually think Rachel's kind of well behaved in this with the Kurt storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, by saying oh, like, yeah. "I'll let you become president." Because it's important for your resume. Does he win? Who wins? I don't remember. Who wins, Mimi? Okay, so I I watched this and then I was like, oh, we don't see the end of the election. I was like, wait, literally who wins? I already forget. <laughs> um, but then I remembered a later episode and I think it's Brittany who wins. Got and it. I love that for her because I as, yeah. as Trumpian as she kind of is in this episode, like she, that's not who she is in general. So it's fine. I I think it's funny then if she wins also because it's like when they go low we go high and then we lose exactly <laughs> like there's a lesson her, there's a lesson in here her yeah. message was clear like that should be what people realize and like what happened in 2016 was mm-hmm. like Trump had a very clear message and when you have a clear message right. in a campaign it helps you to win even if it's absolute bullshit mm-hmm. yeah um another exactly. very well behaved human is Mercedes that's what I was gonna say mm-hmm. okay yeah. okay yeah. Yes. No, yeah. I mean, I, I want you to say uh, your piece about it as well, but I just felt like she like really took control of the group and showed leadership in a great way. Like wasn't trying to box anyone out, was just trying to get everyone focused. Um, she chose the best mashup of all time. And she also was clearly there. You know, again, what's so moving about this last mashup is that she there's like a pause. There's almost never a pause in Glee because yes. it's so manic. But there's a pause after she starts singing where she looks at Santana and Santana kind of looks back at her and there's like... I can't believe we didn't talk about this pause. It's just like... It's it's like such a moving... Feels like a longer moment than it is um, where Santana just looks like unsure and concerned and then Mercedes starts singing again. Um, and oh my then, God, I just got chills thinking about it again. Yeah. I mean, it just shows, it just seems like a moment where she's really supporting her and that's what friends do. You know, they bring <laughs> you back down to earth and then they support you when you're doing something that is hard, that will move your life forward. And that's what Mercedes does. So I think, yeah, I think she's, she's a great candidate for best behaved here. Um, so the other thing to talk about, obviously, which we've been talking about throughout is, you know, Obama years with 2020 vision. This mm-hmm. is this one's really like, oh, like, <laughs> just hurts. Um, we've been talking about this because Glee ran from 2009 to 2015, which covers the Obama years essentially. And with 2020 vision, it's like what has aged well, what has not aged well. I mean, I think we've talked about this at length, but the similarities between like the tr- Trump's campaign and either whether it was the hate ads that came out that sue did uh with the baboon heart like that shit that fucking i can see the trump campaign like capitalizing on and like making stupid shit like joe biden like has fucked a horse you know (laughs) and like that being a message i don't know why that's what came to my mind but (laughs) but you know what i mean and then his his supporters would be like he fucked a horse he can't be president even though it's patently not true and we have to say that, like, before 2016 and post-2016 of it all, which is all the down-ballot races where this happens on a regular basis, mm-hmm. where, you know, the and yeah, like, negative campaigning can be really dangerous. 
um, campaigning without a message, which I think was something, you know, that they, I think they, there was a little bit of a dichotomy and this is what we were, we've been playing with this whole episode of, you know, negative campaigning with a message or campaigning on policy and no message. And it's important for us all to know that there is a way to campaign with a message that is policy-based and positive. <laughs> like th- that, those are not the poles of how to campaign. And I actually think that's a, something that aged well because it, it is, I think it's like the wrong take, the wrong dichotomy, but it is indicative of how people like understand contemporary American politics. Absolutely. This also um, just makes me think about uh, in New York uh, City last year, I worked on the ranked choice voting campaign and it's all about like one of the central parts of ranked choice voting is that it sort of gets rid of this quote unquote like negative campaigning because it's actually not helpful to campaigns for voters like the ne- going negative only makes voters think that the person running for office is bad. So with like ranked choice voting or other ways that we can like change our democracy in the way that we um, vote is that you want to be someone's second or third choice. You're not necessarily going to, wouldn't put out an ad being like, he has a bam, he has a bamboo. What is it? Not, uh, well, I can't. Heart. What is it? He has a bamboo heart. Bam- yeah, whatever. He has a bamboo heart. You wouldn't, you maybe pause. Oh. <laughs> Baboon. Yeah. Baboon. Bamboo. Yeah. <laughs> I not think of a word. Um, heart. So maybe think about ways that we like approach what voters think is like important. And um, it was good for Glee to do this because it, you know, maybe it makes other people think about the way that they like consume campaign ads and the effect that it has. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, in that sense, it's something that aged like very poorly and very well in the sense that it's like this is it wasn't a joke at the time, but it's like so much less of a joke even now, um, the way that all of this goes down and all of these, you know, all the all of these ads that relate to conspiracy theories that have just gotten really out of control on Facebook and beyond in the years since. Um, but it also Bert ages well in that. What's that? Does Bert win? Yes. That hey. that is great. Um, I mean, that's kind of an Obama era, like love conquers all, like yeah, by a moment that um, we don't get later. So it's interesting. Brittany wins, and Bert wins, and good for him. But yeah, I mean, we do get some of that. We've we've got we've got some great people in Congress now, but. Yes. So it ages, it ages poorly and then it also ages well in that it kind of is predictive of a lot of things or, or bringing things that were already happening more into the limelight. And then like now we really see it more than ever. So um, yeah, that one's kind of both. And then I just think, yeah, you know, the complex storyline with Santana again is there are parts of it, I think at some points that are like, that they wrote weirdly or they made more about Finn in other episodes and things like that when it's not really about him. Um, But I think again, showing she's a flawed character and having her have all these dimensions um, and having someone like Mercedes be just like such a rock and everything. um, I think, I think all of that has aged pretty well. So yay. Okay. I mean, so much fun. That's essentially our show, but once again, it's not the end of this conversation. This has been such a 
ride. Glee is like such a, you know, bittersweet show these days. And it feels to me, even like 2015, which is when it ended and, you know, the episodes we watched earlier, but certainly all of these, like it just feels even 2018, honestly, it just feels like so foreign and so familiar at the same time. I will never forget sort of this era because we were in high school and college and something about that just like imprints in your brain forever. So I will like never forget what it was like to be in the world when this show was like really popping off. And in that way, it feels really familiar, but it also feels like so foreign. Everything they do, I'm like, you can't do that right now. Like all of that's illegal. Everyone's too close together. What are these huge crowds? Like, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really been kind of a trip to, to go through, but we can't wait to hear what you guys think about it as well. All right. So you can follow us on Instagram at listen to the B-sides on Twitter at the B-sides pod. You can join our Facebook group by searching the B-sides or going to bit.ly slash the B-sides FB group. You can email, email us with questions and ideas at listen to the B-sides at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail on Anchor. All of these links are in the description of this episode. So you can take a second now and, and open your podcast app and you can scroll down and see it all. So yeah, please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review it on iTunes. And we will see you very soon for season two of the pod, which drops October 14th. So until the next time we cut to the feeling, I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. I'm Hannah. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Happy Glee series. Happy Glee sides. Talk to you soon. Glee sides. <laughs>